Welcome to Take the Money, a production of Foster & Associates Financial Services, Inc., co-hosted by Philip Marion and David Winnell. Take the Money is a podcast exploring the challenges and opportunities facing entrepreneurs, business owners, and professionals. Disclaimer, none of our discussions should be considered a recommendation to purchase any particular product, security, fund, or ETF, and all content should be considered for information purposes only. Before making any investment decision, our listeners are strongly encouraged to seek the counsel of a qualified investment advisor and make sure the investment is suitable for you. Now on to the show. We are back with another episode of Take the Money. Today's guest is Candace Schott. She is broker of record and partner of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services East Realty. Thank you for joining Thanks us. Thanks for having me. So why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, How, uh, what led you to Berkshire Hathaway and uh, some of your past? Sure. So I have been in real estate for about 15 years and my husband's also in real estate. He's been in the business for about eight. Prior to that, I worked at IBM, which was amazing sales experience. So when I worked there, I always wanted to own my own business, but stay in sales and real estate just seemed to be the next natural progression in order to do that. And uh, I've been to a couple brokerages in my life, but when I was approached by Berkshire Hathaway to help them expand their market in Toronto by opening an East End office with them, it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. Uh, the brand itself, the worldwide recognition, their services, how they help agents build successful businesses. It was just something I really wanted to be a part of. So I was incredibly excited and happy to be here. Uh, what does it, being the broker of record, what does that role entail? So being the broker of record in any brokerage is that you are there to help support the agents in a multitude of facets. The most important one being though, from a legal standpoint, uh, my job is to ensure that our agents are educated and know all of the rules to ensure that clients are represented properly. And that should an agent encounter any issues in the background, we are there to support them and make sure they're represented properly in order to resolve the, come to a solution and resolve the issues that they're having. Now, along those lines, do you also are you also an active agent as well, uh, representing clients, or have you dedicated yourself to the uh, agents within your brand? I am currently because we are looking to uh, get this office registered and open. I am currently a practicing agent because I've been doing this for 15 years, I definitely have some amazing clients that I love to still work with. But as we move forward in the next year or two, and as we open this office and hopefully more, my role will then be transitioned over to my husband. He'll be the one running the real estate side and I'll be the one helping to run this office and hopefully many more. As it's always been my dream to do this. So to be given this opportunity and actually be able to do this is really exciting for me. So I plan on playing an active role in this office opening helping the agents, coaching them, teaching them, helping build their business, and then ideally opening multiple offices with our partners. So from, from a client's perspective, whether they're a buyer or a seller, why, why are they choosing yourself and your team and, and Berkshire Hathaway? So for us, we've been in the business a long time, and our biggest uh, commitment to our clients was to ensure that we became a part of their life. For us, real estate, the best part of real estate is to be able to connect with the people that we work with and not only make it transactional, but make it turn into a relationship that we could have for life because we spend a lot of time with our clients, sometimes six months to two years. We get to know them, we get to know their families. So for us, it was really important to 
continue those relationships and ensure that we can help them throughout their life in real estate because no one's just going to have one buy or sell. They're going to have different things that happen in their life, changes, kids, you know, they're going to move cities and we just want to make sure we can always help them. Um, and that connection and that relationship is always very important. And then you go and put Berkshire or Hathaway into the mix. And for us, it was, they're a powerful marketing and technology company And what most people don't see in the background of real estate, they see us buying and selling houses. They don't see what it takes to run the business in the background. So to have the support and services from a company like Berkshire, along with this incredibly globally recognized brand to us, it was an absolute no brainer to be a part of this brokerage and a part of this team. We just think that behind us, we have the best ability to service our clients in the highest possible manner with someone like Berkshire Hathaway with us. I'll get into Sort of the the COVID nineteen scenario, um, obviously a, a difficult uh, environment for all. But tell us a bit about what you went through as an agent through that, and sort of the how agents in general have adapted through what uh, what they're facing. Sure, when this happened, like every other industry, we had to make changes quickly, and it was really great to see back in March the agents come together, Zoom calls, conference calls educating themselves through the board, through lawyers to find out how can we make sure that we continue servicing our clients at the highest level, but keeping their health and safety a priority. And a lot of that was all of us learning how to change our business, how we do business and become more technology focused and have more social and online presence through virtual activity to ensure that we can still service everybody without having to necessarily see them face-to-face during that time in lockdown. So for us, March and April was pivoting our business, making sure we understand how we could do this on a virtual level and make sure that our clients still not only educated in what was happening with the market, but feel safe with all the precautions that all the agents out in Toronto were putting in place to ensure that they felt safe during a transaction if they had to make one at that time. Come May, when we saw some of the phases reopening and we saw the city slowly reopening, we saw our market slowly coming back to life. And it really happened towards the end of May. And then summer was as if we were back in a big, strong spring market. But by that time, because the agents had been prepping for this to happen, everybody came out of the gates with really great procedures and processes that kept everybody safe in this time. Because we all know we have to make sure we have PPE gear and Whenever we're out and we're masked and we're all washing our hands and don't touch your face and stand far apart. And agents were making sure that everything we did was following all those guidelines and if not making them even better to ensure that everybody was still kept safe, but felt comfortable in the market at the same time. Do you think some of those processes are going to be here to stay that you went through, that you go through on a typical showing or? You know, like I think once, you know, a vaccine and life goes back to semi-normal and to me that means no mask and no gloves you know six feet apart the other things that change in real estate such as the advancement in the technology and the offerings that we have for clients absolutely will stay i think covid19 forced agents to embrace technology embrace more of an online world become virtual agents provide services that allowed people to do transactions not having to step out to see 20 houses but maybe one or two instead really narrow their focus on what can they see online? What services can we provide online before having to bring them out into the public in order to do that transaction? You know, we, we've seen DocuSign be embraced by everybody, including lawyers and banks, which it wasn't before. You know, so we're seeing a lot more technology-focused processes, which is really great because 
that's where we needed to be, but not everybody embraced it. But now everybody is, which is great. Well, I, I for one, am very happy that we embraced it. Uh, if you've ever opened up a brokerage account for uh, investments, it's like killing seven trees. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Like, you know, just, just that in itself, being able to do all this online and teaching other people how to do this while they're doing it. And the transaction is kind of cool too, right? You have people of all ages now embracing these technologies that we had access to before, but didn't really use as much as we are now. So I think it's really great. I think it's taught people as well to become more tech savvy. You don't have to be, you know, necessarily super well versed in it because I think it's become really easy to use, but it's good that everybody learns this side. So when, one of the trends I've noticed with people I've been speaking with through the summer is selling their properties in the city and, and moving outside of the GTA, whether it's, you know, to the immediate outskirts or, you know, further out to maybe the Niagara region or Prince Edward County, just in, in communities where there's more space, more, you know, in the homes, more green space, more backyards, more trails. Is, is that a, a trend that you see persisting, you know, once we sort of return to normal with, with a vaccine and no more PPE? You know, it's tough to say. We have absolutely noticed a change in people's habits because they've been forced to change what they do and, and how they live. And a lot of people who had planned on doing that five years down the road, 10 years down the road when they retire, have given more thought to doing it sooner rather than later for a few reasons. Like you said, they need more space. You live in a condo. You don't have access to an outdoor space. Perhaps that was always been your dream and this has expedited that process. Uh, you have people who, you know, may have thought to move to PEC in five years for retirement. Their jobs have now moved to something they could do virtually online from home 24 hours a day and never have to go back to the office. Have realized, well, I could now cash in on my Toronto investment and buy that waterfront property I wanted in wine country or, you know, in cottage country. So we absolutely have seen a very large trend in that nature. Do I think it'll last? I have absolutely no idea. Uh, it all depends on what happens when we do get to go back to quote unquote a life without PPE and social distancing. How many offices are going to um, adapt this new online world where their employees are at home? How many are going to expect them to come back into the office? That is an unknown. You know, I wish I had a crystal ball. It'd be great to know so we can help more clients make those decisions. All we could do is tell them what's happening right now, the trends that we're seeing, and we are absolutely seeing that trend of people moving from condos to houses with backyards and more space, people upgrading their homes because they need home office space, knowing that they're going to need to work from home for the next couple of years, or for that matter, early, slightly early retirement, they're still working, but they're able to work from anywhere. So why not move to Prince Edward County, Muskoka, or even Barbados, you know, Barbados is offering <laughs> yeah, I saw a year that. visa. And so is I think Antigua, St. Lucia, where if you're working from home, you can work from home for the next year in a beautiful a country or on a beautiful island. Like that's what I would do if I had a work from home opportunity, but. Well, if they had, so aside from the principal residents, are you seeing a lot of people that would be buying secondary residences that were kind of speeding up their vision of having a cottage to go to? So uh, instead of just sort of ca like, you know, moving out entirely saying, Hey, I just want a second property. Absolutely. You know, Toronto real estate tends to double about every seven or 10 years. So there's a lot of people who have equity in their house who doesn't, who don't even realize how much equity they have until they're in a situation like this where they're looking at their lifestyle going, okay, how can we hurry some of our decisions? They talk to their mortgage broker or the representative, find out they have hundreds of thousands of equity and that they can make that second purchase. So we definitely are seeing a lot of secondary properties. 
And we're also seeing people buy properties outside of Toronto in order to invest. You know, for example, I own a property in Niagara Falls. We bought our property at 265 only four years ago. It's now worth 450. When people see that type of growth and realize they could build on their real estate portfolio, especially right now when interest rates are at a record at a record low, you know, it's a great opportunity for investments or for investors who are looking to buy secondary properties, whether it's vacation or for investment purposes. Absolutely. So one one of the markets that investors have been heavily involved in is is the Toronto condo market. It was just a few days ago you said r- new rules came into effect with with regards to short term rentals. Can you sort of give us an overview of how that's come in and how it's affected uh, the market as a whole? Sure. So you know we have I think Toronto had over fifty five hundred Airbnbs. There was an, a quite a number of Airbnbs. I don't know if that's super accurate, but it, you know, it's around five, 6,000. The city of Toronto, in order to help create affordable housing and rentals, have been trying to lobby around Airbnb and set rules behind them so that they weren't necessarily taking over all the available inventory for long-term rentals. So short-term rentals were creating long-term rentals to be more expensive, to have less on the market, to be more of a competition. And so there has been some rule changes as of September 10th that Unless it is your primary residence, you are no longer allowed to Airbnb a unit. So for those investors who bought multiple units over time and have been Airbnb in those units, have been forced to either sell them or enter them into the long-term market. So being a yearly rental versus a monthly rental. And for those properties that are going to stay Airbnbs because they are being rented from their primary residence are only allowed to rent out that unit now or that home for 180 days a year. And they must register their Airbnb by December 31st, so they cannot participate in the program. So that, in turn, as I'm sure you can be, you can imagine, has flooded the market with not only rentals but condos that are currently for sale because these investors had no choice but then to change their strategy rather quickly. So this is less a this wasn't a direct uh, result of of COVID 19. This is really a sort of a change in in short term rental market that's really created a bit of this supply? I think it's both. I think it's COVID-19 had people realizing they didn't necessarily want to live in a condo where they had to share an elevator, not necessarily have outdoor space. I think you have that camp of people who realized, you know what, I was going to buy a house in a couple years anyways. Let's expedite that process to get into a house. And then you have the Airbnb rules. So I think you have a bit of both. I think the Airbnb is just obviously exacerbated what's happening because it all just happened and we're now starting to see all that inventory hit the market. And then opposed, and then on the other side, when you look at uh, Toronto housing, either semi-detached or detached, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, that's been, just been incredibly hot right now. Multiple offers, uh, you know, the showings are just incredible. Can you comment a bit about that? Why are we seeing it? So, well, we, you know, March, April, May is our busiest time in the Toronto market, spring market beautiful weather, people want to sell their house so their kids can finish school and start in a new school in September. It's the perfect time to sell your house. And so because we didn't get to go through that, we saw a surge into the market over the summer because we didn't have a spring market. So everybody who was getting ready to sell in January, February didn't get the chance to. So we saw all those listings hit the market this summer. We saw double digit growth in all the sectors. So townhouses, semis and detached especially in the neighborhoods that are incredibly desirable in Toronto. Those were by far the most popular. And at the end of the day, we are still short 
on inventory. Toronto has been short on housing inventory for years when it comes to available inventory for sale. That is no different this this our spring market, but this summer, I guess you could say, it's still the case. We still don't have enough property for the amount of demand we have for people that want to live in certain neighborhoods. You know, those cool, trendy neighborhoods, the ones that are accessible, that are walkable, that have amazing public transit and incredible school districts, those areas of Toronto will always excel. And whether we're in this market or not, that is just the highest demand areas. So this is the same that we would be in any other year. It just so happens we're going through it in the summer versus the spring. What are your views? I'm kind of putting you on the spot a little bit. I know you're a big advocate for obviously purchasing relative to renting. Uh, What are some of the things that first-time buyers can do to get into this market? It seems obviously extremely difficult. Yeah, you know, a market like Toronto where, you know, it is more expensive than other markets, it's absolutely really difficult for first-time buyers to get in the market. What we see are a lot of people getting gifts from their family, their family members helping them with that down payment. You know, we still have a 5% down payment needed on on anything that's under 500,000 and then anything between 500 and a million is 10%. So there are there are places in Toronto where you still can get a one bedroom condo between 450 and 550. Those do exist. As much as people think that's hard, they do exist. They might be smaller units, but it gets you into the market. You know, so if you have family members or you're in a position where you could save money, you know, 5% on that five 500,000, you know, to get that 25,000, borrow it from your family or gifting, or you may have had it in your RSPs. It is possible because there are multiple ways to get the money. It's just that I think first time buyers get intimidated by the market. They may not have the right people to talk to, to figure out how can I do this? What do I need to do to save my RSPs? How can, or to save my down payment? How can I use my RSPs? Can I borrow money from my family? What it will cost to borrow money and carry that down the road? You know, I think that educating first-time buyers is really important so they can realize it's a dream that's reality. It's just getting the information out there so they understand that it is possible. Do you run uh, workshops for first-time buyers to kind of highlight what to do and how lending works, et cetera? Yeah, we do. There's first-time buyer workshops. There's investor workshops. There's downsizing workshops. We make all that stuff available about once a quarter. So that people could hop on a Zoom call with us, we could show them the numbers, educate them, have them talk to a professional online, and then maybe start the process slowly. It's most certainly not a process that's quick. There's a lot of education. There's a lot of understanding. There's money management. You know, where do you want to live? What's the best way to maximize the dollar? How close do you want to live to work? What is it going to look like when you sell it five years later? You know, we want to educate them on all that so so that we teach them they're making a really savvy investment and show them what the possibilities are down the road when they do sell that place. Cause most first time buyers are only there for three to five years. We also want to show them going look at what you could have after five years and look what you're going to move into. The sales cycle for most people is a condo, a townhouse, a semi, a detached, and then back into a downsize, whether it's a condo, a condo or a cottage, or, you know, some type of vacation property. We want to show them that that's possible and how to get there. So these seminars are there to teach them, show them how to get there and then walk them through the process slowly because it's not quick and it doesn't need to be. We're not in a hurry. So we're there to wait until they're comfortable and ready to do that. Yeah. The branding of Berkshire Hathaway uh, from an international perspective, from seeing the branding and, and your overall research, are you seeing a lot of international interest in Toronto and, and is that continuing? 
Uh, international and Toronto right now, due to all these restrictions, it's hard to answer that question. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't say <laughs> that, you know, that's happening. Of course, we also know there's some homes where pe- vacation rentals here that those who live internationally can't even access their houses right now. Yeah. So it's hard to touch on that. What I can say, you know, from a branding perspective, you know, we're, we're with one of the largest global companies in the world. You know, they have over, I believe, 1,700 offices worldwide with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Warren Buffett in Berkshire has over 1,200, owns 1,200 companies worldwide. When it comes to brand recognition, we really couldn't be a part of a better company. It's pretty incredible that we are in the Warren Buffett umbrella of Berkshire Hathaway. Like Just that name in itself just carries so much weight in all industries for who he is, what he's done, what he's contributed to this world. So that in itself, I think, just lends to an amazing brand to be a part of and how can we not be recognized in that name? Well, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you so much for your time. That was very informative. There's a lot of things I had no clue of, especially the Airbnb rules, but uh, thank you for your time. That was, that was excellent. Thanks so much for having me. It was great. Thanks, Candice. That concludes the show. Thank you everyone for listening. For more information about Candice, please visit Berkshire Hathaway Home Services website at bhhstoronto.ca. Look out for next week when we discuss the commercial real estate landscape with Joseph Wise from Leonard Commercial Realty. Thanks again.